Insider, a Claritas podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. We took a break from the podcast over the holidays, but we're back in action for 2021 and so glad you've either stuck with us or found us for the first time. For this month's episode, we thought we'd revisit an industry we highlighted two years ago on the podcast, and that's financial services. Don't worry if that's not the industry you serve, though, because there will definitely be tons of best practices and real-world examples we'll be sharing that you can apply to your business. As you know, February is considered the month of love, and banks and credit unions are known for the love that they show their customers and members through financial empowerment and financial well-being. But after the year we all had in 2020, we thought it was time to show them some love with tips and tricks to help strengthen their marketing strategies going forward. First in my amazing lineup of guests is a return guest, Catherine Spizak, who's a director of product strategy here at Claritas. Then, after our quick commercial break, we'll have Victor Coro, CEO of Copera Consulting, who's going to talk to us more about how growth strategies have changed for financial institutions, namely credit unions, in the past year, where the opportunity lies, and why community involvement will be key to success in 2021. That being said, Catherine, welcome back to the Marketing Insider. Thanks, Monique. Thanks for asking me to come back. I'm really excited to be here. So like I said in my intro, it's been about two years since we had an episode tailored towards the financial services industry, which you were my guest on. So since it's been a while, can you give a quick reminder to our listeners as to what the role you play here at Claritas is? Sure. So I'm the director of product strategy here at uh, Claritas. I lead a team of product managers that are responsible for um, all of our databases. You're a busy lady. (laughs) So I I really wanted to have you on, not only because I love working with you, but in part because you talk to financial institutions on a regular basis. So you know where their strengths lie and you know where they need a helping hand. And you've been integral in the development of solutions that are actually helping them succeed, even in a pandemic. So tell me from the conversations that you've had, what are the top three challenges that banks and credit unions are going to face this year? Yeah, it's it's interesting. One of the big focuses is kind of this shift to online. And and that was really before pandemic, but even more importantly now is they have customers who absolutely want to go into a branch. Then they have customers who absolutely never want to go into a branch and want to do everything through their phone. They have to find a way to adjust digitally to those who didn't want to be digital and teaching them how to do that and offering services that they understood as well. So it's really been an interesting shift for this industry um, to go online. So even though, you know, they've offered digital services in the past, traditionally banks and credit unions have been known for more for their in-person services and for those who demand that. Um, You know, there's been branch closures and and transformation for what those branches offer. Um, About five years ago, I'd say for Claritas, we transitioned to having many of our solutions to a cloud-based environment. And and some of the biggest laggards to those migrations were our financial clients because they're so rooted in traditional ways of doing business. And so I'd say because the financial industry is so regulated and concerned with regulations and staying compliant, that just a shift to online in general is something that this industry um, really needs to stay cognizant and and be sure that anything they're using is privacy safe without use of any kind of sensitive data um, or drivers and, you know, making sure that they're all compliant with any regulations. Second big challenge I'd say really is just strained finances. 
Um, so really focusing on the changes in their members and financial situations is going to need to be addressed. And they're going to have to make up for you know their own losses in terms of having struggling customers and members um, to still find those for certain products and services so that you know, financial institutions themselves can continue to grow to meet their own goals. Um, so this could be through paycheck, paycheck protection programs or home equity loan or home improvement loan offers. Any, you know, finding those customers that need those types of offers. Um, and I'd say finally, it's increased competition. Um, you know, the shift in moving to online, the shift in kind of customer demand and and staying on top of the competition would really kind of round out some of the biggest challenges. And, you know, there there were some surveys at the beginning of pandemic where people didn't feel supported by their financial institutions, um, and maybe they still don't. Um, so switching is obviously something that's was attractive before, right? Uh, trying to find the place with the best rates, but maybe even so more so now where, um, you know, they want to find somebody that they feel supported to. So, in this case of increased competition and Differing, you know, needs. I think acquisition and retention are both equally important. So it's really a careful balance for financial institutions to kind of stay on top of that, um, make sure that they're reaching the right customers and prospects. Are there any quick and easy, for lack of a better way to put it, solutions that you have seen work um, to help combat those uh, those challenges? Yeah, I'd say for, you know, kind of shift to use of online for products and, you know, digital ads or ensuring that you're kind of reaching the right customers. It's just finding a privacy safe solution and they're out there. And most importantly, you can find data sets that don't use the sensitive variables that are included in regulation B. So it'd be things like race or ethnicity, religion, national origin, gender, things like that. From customer strain finances, you can kind of um, there's data out there on pre-built audiences. So whether you have your own data that you can work with or you can work with an onboarding partner um, to access other companies' um, data, um, you, can, you can get lifestyle, spending, psychographic behavior attributes specific to whatever kind of um, campaign you want to put out. And I'd say from an increased competition perspective, um, anonymous website visitors are really the easiest way to find prospects with the most potential because they're coming to your website. Um, they're probably also going to your competitors' websites, and 90% of them really just remain anonymous. Um, but there is a way to collect the visitor data to um, so that you can really kind of identify who these anonymous visitors are, and the result is really retargeting best prospects, finding lookalike audiences and really getting a high definition portrait of what was once just an anonymous visit to your website, which can really help you stay on top of the competition. Yeah, those are all really good tips. Um, but Catherine, I've, I've recently seen or been seeing a ton of articles mentioning the rise of fintech in the wake of the pandemic. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what opportunity has fintech been able to seize with the changing ways that people are handling their finances? Yeah, I mean, it kind of ties into all three of those challenges, right? FinTech is companies or services that use technology to provide financial services to both businesses or consumers. So this could be mobile payment apps like Venmo or PayPal or Square. I mean, think about how much we've relied on things like that um, 
you know, in the last few months. And fintech really has an upper hand over traditional brick and mortar uh, financial and banking institutions in the last year. They mainly operate on e-commerce level and, and are really popular among Gen Z and, and younger millennials who, um, you know, they might not have as much money to invest right now, but they're providing longer lifetime value than the older, wealthier um, boomers. Um, mm -hmm. But this industry, I think, is just, it was seeing popularity before the pandemic based on the fact that these younger consumers, this is the way they kind of want to transfer money um, and look at their financial services. But even in the last few months, um, you know, you're seeing other segments that traditionally may not have have banked this way or, or you know, um, worked with their finances this way, even depending on fintech too. So it's something the financial industry as a whole kind of needs to migrate to, to kind of understand what's working and what's not and, and develop that way. Yeah, I will say that it is easy to use those apps to do some of your daily activities, especially now in a pandemic. But at the same time, I don't think that they tick off all of the boxes that those traditional no. brick and mortars do or those bigger banks or even credit local credit unions do. Um, so one thing that kind of stands out to me is everyone's mind shift to or everyone shift to a local mindset and what i mean by that it's kind of just like it sounds so we've been somewhat limited to staying close to home whether that's because of specific mandates in the state that we live in or just general health concerns or maybe even a combination of both and to me that's a perfect opening for a credit union for example to shine would you agree with that absolutely i mean okay. i think we're seeing now in this time, everyone wants to be kind of hyper-focused on local, mm -hmm. you know, smaller business and other industries. So I think it is, you know, credit unions opportunity to kind of jump on that bandwagon because that really is where their niche market is. Um, so their advantage is really just in advertising, making sure that any campaigns have the imagery of the local area, becoming involved in the community. Um, using regional messaging, you know, things like that to really ensure that their their campaigns are hitting home on that need to feel like a community. And mm -hmm. understanding the um, local market and members and, you know, their, their demographics, but also just their psychographics, what types of things resonate with them, where, what are they listening to, reading, watching, um, is really something that syndicated segmentation can hone in on to help, not just help credit unions, but even banks as a, as a whole, um, ensure that they're, they're sending the right message. Um, but especially for credit unions who want to target hyper-locally, something like syndicated segmentation can really help um, ensure that they're reaching the right people with the right message. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but kind of similar to that, superior customer service is something that I personally seek out when I'm evaluating who I choose to either spend or invest my money with. But how can a credit union or bank uh, ensure that they have good customer service when they have essentially been somewhat forced to shift to more digital targeting and service maintenance efforts? It's all about ensuring that you know who you're reaching and, and okay. what their their wants and desires are and making sure that any marketing effort, whether it's a social media ad, a digital ad, an email, anything is really targeted in on what those personal wants are. And the way to do that is through syndicated segmentation. So it helps indicate who your best customers or members or prospects are 
It uncovers what they're like, what they buy, what their attitudes are toward a category, what their current lifestyle behaviors are. So that could be media choices. Um, that could be, you know, want to update something in my home, you know, all sorts of things, which mm -hmm. really uncovers for these financial institutions where to reach these um, customers, members, prospects, how to reach them. So the best way to personalize marketing efforts, um, which really will give you the best return on investment. Yeah, I think the good news is um, a lot of the ways that you just mentioned, they're universal across industry. So you Absolutely. don't have to be in the financial services industry to kind of use those same tactics. But let me ask you one last kind of admittedly tough question before I let you go today. And then I'll go ahead and bring in my next guest, Victor. So 2020 was a highly political year due to the pandemic, the election, and rising social justice concerns. And people are now looking for the brands that they engage with to be more purpose-driven. So how do you take that into consideration from a marketing perspective without being divisive? It's obviously a, a topic that's, you know, really important these days. Um, really understanding the psychographics can ensure that you're positioning your message to them in the right way. So it's really understanding. And the best way to do that is with segmentation, um, you know, rich lifestyle behavioral data um, to ensure that your message um, is being sent appropriately into the right household. Yeah. Definitely a tough question, but an important question. So Catherine, thank you again for joining me today. You've been great and you've provided a ton of insight. And I mean, I, I just always enjoy chatting with you. So I appreciate you being here with me today. Thanks again, Monique. Let's not let two years go by before we do. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Thanks. <laughs> Attention financial marketers, in a time where marketing budgets are stretched thin, free content is king. Visit claritas.com and click on our insights tab to access one of our latest blogs titled, Here's Why You Should Consider Incorporating Email into Your 2021 Marketing Plan, and 10 Questions You Should Ask Before You Do. And now, back to the podcast. We're back from our commercial break, and we're lucky enough to be joined by Victor Coro, the CEO of Copera Consulting, a full-service Hispanic growth firm providing custom solutions for credit unions nationwide to grow by reaching and serving the Hispanic market. Victor, thank you for joining me on The Marketing Insider. Thanks for having me, Monique. I'm happy to be here. Great. So we usually like to start off with our guests telling us a little bit about themselves and the role that they play at their company. But I'd also love to hear how Copera Consulting came to be in the first place. Well, um, my name is Victor Miguel Coro. I'm, I was born and raised in Panama, and I've been here in the States, actually in Madison, Wisconsin, for the last uh, almost 30 years. I've been in the credit union industry for about 25 years now. And um, as far as Copera Consulting, it's a business that started about uh, 15 years ago. And it uh, started by the Iowa Credit Union League. They saw an industry in need to grow and be relevant uh, within a new constituency, a new um, community. And that was obviously the, the Hispanic community. So back then, they started uh, leveraging uh, analytics and leveraging um, uh, all this data to help Koreans understand the business case behind uh, serving Hispanics 
uh, but also tie that to the mission of, uh, of inclusion and providing access to financial services uh, of all, especially a, a growing and underserved uh, population uh, mm -hmm. such as the Hispanic population. It's a great story. I love to hear that. So jumping right in, though, we, we all know that the pandemic has had an impact on all industries, but what does the impact look like in both the banking community itself and with their customers and members, considering that you do work with them day in and day out? You know, this, this is a conversation that we have seen in the, in the whole country, mm -hmm. and that has basically uh, put front and center uh, the inequities, the and um, you know the the systemic failures that our society has, um, at, and when it comes to allowing some um, groups to thrive and some groups to stay behind, mm -hmm. and so as credit unions are uh, mission driven and you know based upon a philosophy of inclusion and and uh, improving uh, financial health, you know that pandemic really uh, made us focus on who. Uh, we're supposed to be helping uh, more, more and more, and um, you know, and uh, knowing uh, what communities have been historically historically left behind or marginalized is something that we have focused our uh, efforts uh, in the last um, basically year. You know, really coming back to that um, mission of providing financial services to people that have no other option, it's, uh, at least in the Korean sector, it's something that, that we have been very mindful and, you know, had, like I said, it, it was something that became very apparent because of the pandemic. Yeah, this past year has been a challenge, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And Copera consults on behalf of the financial well-being of Hispanic consumers in particular, and like you said, the Hispanic community is underbanked and mm -hmm. underserved by credit unions. But what exactly does that mean, and why would that be something that credit unions need to be aware of? The Hispanic consumer, it's uh, sometimes misunderstood, and um, what we bring to the industry and, you know, in partnership with, with Claritas is the ability for these financial institutions to know who's represented within their constituency when it comes to the Hispanic market, yeah. uh, what generation they're from, what age they have, what is their um, engagement with the products and services. And uh, with that information, that data, the, the credit unions can actually make decisions and have a strategic plan and to really fulfill their mission of, of inclusion. Um, when you know that uh, perhaps your uh, Hispanic um, membership is 90% Spanish preferring, then you know that you need to actually have a plan for translation, a plan for having bilingual, bicultural staff in branches, or having your website um, uh, uh, translated in, in, into Spanish. If you know the country of origin of your Hispanic uh, membership also, you would know that Spanish comes with different, uh, you know, different, different accents, different, um, different backgrounds, depending upon the country of origin of, of, of the folks that are members of credit unions. So uh, knowing all of this data makes, uh, makes for personalized and uh, culturally sensitive um, a customer journey. 
And, you know, in the end, that's what we want. Everyone to feel welcome and everyone to be served uh, by a mission-driven industry that uh, enhances um, the financial health of people, especially uh, the Hispanic consumer, which is the most underserved in the country. When I say underserved, meaning they don't have a relationship with a financial institution that is regulated uh, or that uh, provides insurance on their deposit. Yes, there definitely needs to be a change. And you did lay, lay out some great ways to make that change happen. Uh, so, Victor, as you'll have heard in my intro, February is the month of love, and financial service institutions are known for showing love to their clients, their members, their customers through financially empowering them to hit their personal wealth goals. But what do you see as some of the greatest barriers that credit union in particular themselves face when it comes to fully realizing their own potential for growth? Uh, there's a lot of noise in the system. Um, you know, we're bombarded with a lot of information mm -hmm. uh, daily. And so sometimes it's hard to focus on what's important. And, you know, what we have realized is that in order to include, you need to understand, you need to be curious. And um, that's what credit unions are doing now. By having all this uh, data, all of this analytics, it's, it's a way that uh, teams at uh, organizations find out that they need to do something in order to include, um, you know, credit unions have a fantastic uh, value proposition for a consumer because they are non-for-profit uh, financial cooperatives. That means okay. that they are not interested in making money off a consumer, but actually helping them with their financial health. So, you know, the more uh, that people belong to these organizations, the better it is for them um, because you create a good financial health in the consumer and a good and healthy consumer actually builds better communities. So in, in different words, you are building a community, you are making the country stronger. Yeah, and I guess my next question would be a little bit of a piggyback off of this last one. And my colleague, Catherine, would have talked about it a little bit earlier too, but I wanna get your perspective. How has the go-to-market strategy for credit unions changed? And I'm just curious what the difference is from uh, a year ago. We have seen a great interest in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. And, um, you know, that, that has been uh, something that the industry is taking very, very seriously. And from that, you know, um, we have gone past the why, the justifying the business case behind getting into marginalized communities or, or getting to know different uh, membership base uh, to really getting to know the profile of, um, of different uh, communities, you know, within the Hispanic one. You know, uh, Koreans are more and more curious about what generation a Hispanic consumer is, what, mm -hmm. uh, what is their age, um, what, uh, you know, what is their identity and level of uh, acculturation when they come and live in, here in the United States. Um, if it's a third generation, uh, what is their language uh, usage and all of these things. So mm -hmm. there's a, a great interest now in understanding uh, the consumer behavior through analytics 
in the end, the industry wants to be relevant to the consumer uh, that's um, adding population to the United States. Yeah, and if you can't name names, we totally understand, but Mm -hmm. can you share a success story or two that you've seen with one or more of your clients over the past year, especially considering that the world is very different now? What we have seen in some of them is that within a year, uh, uh, they have been able to go from a credit union that was completely uh, monolingual, just English only, to to a, a credit union that actually has an app has online presence and has, um, you know, bilingual, bicultural staff in every branch. Um, And, um, you know, that it used to take a long, long time for, um, uh, you know, a banking institution to to do that. But we have seen that uh, accelerated uh, lately. Once they see the data and they see, um, you know, the, the potential for growth, they really go fast and adopt our advice um, to really change the the mindset and serve more people and be very welcoming to uh, the fastest growing uh, population in the U.S. So when we were talking about having you on this episode, I wanted to do a little bit of research on my own. So I had a browse on your website and I noticed that you have several white papers and other resources Mm -hmm. that help credit unions responsibly reach and serve Hispanic consumers. But I'm curious to know, since this could be helpful to our listeners, which ones have been the most utilized and why do you think that is? The one that that um, we get the most requests is um, is based upon the the business case and how to have this conversation uh, to introduce uh, new uh, and include new communities. And basically, it's um, uh, you know getting to know who you have as a member and really have that that good understanding that supports uh, the business case. And once you have that, um, that understanding as, as who you have as a member or, or as a constituent, a consumer, then you need to have a plan and a plan that looks into, um, you know, operational areas so that, you know, the credit union or the, the bank feel the need to include and reach out to communities that they have left behind. But speaking of resources, though, Copera offers uh, coaching to help financial institutions build community outreach and partnership strategies. And what do you see as some of the easiest ways for credit unions to get involved with community organizations and businesses that's ultimately going to help them uplift all parties in a mutually beneficial way? Yeah, that's actually, you know, a way to uh, <clears throat> build trust with especially the Hispanic community right. um, that is unacculturated and is newly arrived. If you see community-based organizations, for example, there's uh, many Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in different towns, um, you know, uh, immigration lawyers that do this their job sometimes pro bono. They know the needs of that uh, Hispanic uh, segment that actually is the most underserved. And, um, you know, establishing a relationship with these community-based organizations is crucial for a credit union. Uh, what we find is that the community already trusts the, the community organization. Mm-hmm. And once they partner with a financial institution that provides, you know, information or, or uh, uh, educational sessions on how to build a budget, how to, how to 
uh, maintain your, your credit score or how to build a credit score, um, you know, that's when we see uh, the trust even um, established in, in that consumer. They will come to the credit union and they will tell their friends, uh, hey, come on, this is a good place for you to, to trust your money and, and to have financial advice. And so it, it, it makes the community stronger and it reaches out a lot faster when you have those relationships. So, Victor, we really appreciate you sharing some of your insider knowledge today. But before I let you go, I do have one final question for you, and it's an easy one. Okay. Where, <laughs> where can our podcast listeners go to learn more about what you do and how Copera Consulting can help them succeed in today's environment? Well, usually is our uh, website is coperaconsulting.com. Uh, you will find, um, you know, what we do there. And uh, actually, we're, we're revamping that uh, website as soon we will launch a, a new one. But that's where you will see us. Um, and I would invite folks to to follow uh, myself on LinkedIn. We uh, publish there a lot of uh, this information that you've heard today. And uh, um, we also uh, play a, a key role in the credit union industry. We have founded uh, something that is called the CU, Credit Union Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Collective. And uh, again, it shows uh, how our industry or our movement, as we call it in credit unions, is, uh, is concerned about being inclusive and being a welcoming place uh, for people to trust their financial services. Thanks again, Victor, for joining me. Thank you. So that's all the time we have today for our first episode of 2021. Thanks again to my two guests, my fellow Clariton, Catherine Spizak and Victor Coro, CEO of Copera Consulting. But also thank you to those of you listening at home or on the go. If you've not already, please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice, our favorite being Spotify, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. And with that, we'll see you next time with a brand new episode. Bye now.